Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Joining me, as always, Ooh. is my good friend T. Sean Hardy and his brilliantly, uh, his brilliant photographer wife. Uh, what's her name now? Oh, Linda. Linda. <laughs> Sorry, just call me anything. I don't care. Okay. Well, I did that deliberately. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I thought I'd pretend to forget your name. <laughs> well, you know, the uh, the sub- subject uh, for this uh, special is we're going to be talking about Stephen King and uh, a lot of his movie adaptations and, and stuff there. Now, I've just been, um, guys, I don't know about you, but um, I've just been watching some some things about Stephen King. Watched uh, 101 Facts about Stephen King, and I could only remember three of them when I got off. And one of them was <laughs> that the, one of them was that the original uh, TV miniseries of it, um, they originally had Alice Cooper in mind to play Pennywise, but Tim Curry creeped him out so much. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, okay, that's one. What are the other two? Well, there was only, um, oh, the other two facts. <laughs> have some more whiskey. I, I think the other one was that show went that, um, downhill pretty quick, didn't it? I think I think the other one was that uh, Carrie was the uh, was the first novel that he actually had published. We'd actually written three prior to that that hadn't been published, mm-hmm. um, and also Sangham's Mott was the, the second published work. And oh, okay. That's it. Um, because um, a, lot of, a, lot of the, a lot of the facts that were in this thing, they were just so, you know, what one kind of melded into the other, and, uh, and quite a few more about his early life, and uh, that his father kind of walked out of him to buy a pack of cigarettes and never came back, and he found out later on down the line that, it, that his father had been living uh, not too far away from Mong Long, but he'd moved in with a different woman. <laughs> I've got to wonder if he was a milkman or something. <laughs> Yeah, but didn't didn't uh, his very first book that he was going to write, didn't his wife dig it out of the garbage? Yeah, that was Carrie. Um, apparently, thought, Carrie was... Carrie, yeah. Originally, Carrie was going to be a short story for uh, one, you know. I think he made 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 a few books writing, you know, stories, you know, for adult magazines, but weren't really adult stories as such. Or horror thing, but published in adult magazines mm-hmm. as well as uh, as well as sort of like uh, these things that they used to have, but they don't have right have anymore. Which was sort of like a Reader's Digest type thing that kind of uh, gave uh, aspiring writers a chance to get published and get picked up, sort of thing. But basically, what happened is mm-hmm. he, is he wrote three pages of Carrie and uh, he chucked it away, and his wife picked it up and read it, and she she sort of like says, um, "You got to write this," and um, she says, I, "I I can give you the female perspective, you know." So so. Basically, uh, anything in in terms to the woman's perspective in Carrie is all is all from Stephen King's wife, and not Stephen King. So we're she at the end of the movie where she just kills everybody. Yeah, that's from that, his wife. That, that was his that was <laughs> wife's idea. Keep the, keep that in mind. You know. <laughs> But that, that, that's that's right. But um, you know, we've got we've got quite a few Stephen King projects uh, coming out now. We've got the sequel to The Shining uh, with mm-hmm. um, with you and with Doctor Sleep with you and I'm so boring I could die McGregor in 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 the role. You don't like you McGregor? I, I I kind of find him quite bland to be honest. You know, I liked him as Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm, I hated him as Obi Wan Kenobi. He was trying to channel too much Anakin. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's, 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 that's that's a really really hard actor to, to uh, live up to. Anyways, it, it is, and I think to be honest, he should have just done his own thing with uh, with, with Obi Wan instead of trying to channel Hamid Guinness and trying to sort of Hamid Guinness's voice and, and all that. Um, it's, I think it made him come across as quite wooden for my for my, mm. my taste. So um, he, he did he did it he did it in the animated show as well. And I think he did the voice in the animated show, and he actually did a better job of voice in the animated show, I think, than he did in the uh, in the movie. In the movies, or it might have been somebody else at the animated show. So, Stephen King, we've got Dr. Sleep True. coming out. Yep. Um, we've got um, Talking of Witch. Um, remember Stand By Me, the film? Yes, yes, that's, that's like one of my top three. Yes, yeah, so Stephen. Way to give it away. <laughs> okay, so Sean's top three includes Stand By Me. <laughs> well, I guess we, we're just kind of just talking about it, I guess. I guess, yeah, 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 sure. It's a Stephen King novel, isn't it? And uh, they made a film out of it. And um, apparently, uh, when Stephen King seen the film Stand By Me, um, he was so moved to tears because he, he felt that it was the closest that a filmmaker had ever got to sort of like portraying one of his books on the screen. Oh, cool. See, I don't get that. I really don't, because there's there's Stephen King. I, I, I was a I had a lot of Stephen King books. I, w- I was an avid Stephen King reader, and I've seen adaptations for a lot of them. I mean, there's 61 novels, 51 movies, 14 TV shows, um, and there's adaptations that I've seen that really closely match the book. And then there were other ones that were so far away from it and I don't really remember I read Stand By Me but I don't really remember I think it was close in all our lives there's a fall from innocence a time after which we are never the same it happened in the summer of 1959 a long time ago but only if you measure in terms of years guys want to go see a dead body? I bet you anything that if we find him, we'll get our pictures in the paper. Yeah, yeah, we can even be on TV. Sure, we'll be heroes. Yeah. I think the book for Stand By Me was called The Body, right? So it was, wasn't yes. called Stand By Me. Yeah. Um, but one thing I've got to ask you um, is Stand By Me is set in a town called Castle Rock, right? Mm-hmm. Is is um, is there any connection between that TV show, Castle Rock, and Stand By Me? Is, is that show kind of like a Stephen King-esque thing, or, or, or have they just taken the name Castle Rock? Um, because we've never seen it. Well, we've, I've never seen it either. We've, we've never seen the show. We actually have a Castle Rock here, which is kind of funny. Yeah, we got a Castle rock it's a bit of a hike yeah it's like one of the highest peaks of the province Mm, yeah. so, a little, little, we have our own castle rock a little bit of useless information yeah, useless information <laughs> we'll be full of that today <laughs> no I, I, I assume i assume we would have something to do with it i mean you know because he puts castle rock and everything like a lot a lot of things all take place in castle rock it's because of this tv show it's it's just called castle rock and it's uh in it's uh it's, it's basically a science fiction fancy thing I'm not sure if, if they if they took the name um, because it was maybe partly inspired by you know Stephen King or novels. Oh, look at that! I just IMDb'd it. It is the setting for the psychological horror series of Stephen King multiverse that takes place in Castle Rock. Yeah, I, I heard that there's like a lot of lot of different <coughs> characters from his books that actually appear in it. Oh, holy shit! Well, I'm gonna have to watch this. We are gonna have to watch this. I, I, I've just heard of the show. You know, it's been on for a few years, but it's kind of one knows that song. Like, yeah. It's just gone under my radar. Yeah, us too. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it is uh, It is Stephen King. <laughs> we're, doing a, we're doing a podcast Surprise! about Stephen King. And- yeah, we don't know anything <laughs> about the man. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I think we should do, do something, you know, do, do another show uh, about uh, what we don't know about Stephen King. <laughs> Apparently, that'd be a long show. All right, so here's a question. Stephen King, so 51 movie, 51 movie adaptations and 14 TV shows. Is there any other American author that has been so widely taken from book to screen? Nope. Like, I mean, that, that that's pretty amazing to, you know, oh, wait, there's 14 TV shows. <laughs> but, I mean, as far as an author goes, I mean, I think that's a pretty amazing feat to have 
that many film adaptations from your your writings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He holds the world record, apparently, for the most film adaptations of, of his writing. He's a world record holder. Well, there you go. I know Clive Barker has quite a few as well, but not, I don't think, 51. No. And as far as his book sales go, the only person to have ever outsold him is J.K. Rowling, and she did mm. a few books as well. Rich, richest woman in England. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, in Scotland. <laughs> in Scotland. <laughs> don't, don't do the accent. I'm sorry, I can't do an accent. No. <laughs> I think she lives in Scotland, but I think she's actually um, she's actually one of these people that's uh, that's remaining in the European Union. So she's kind of like on on that side. Whereas it's oh man, it's a mess. It's yeah. like a horror story in and of itself. So let's let's not even go there. <laughs> you know, I I, I kind of think uh, I kind of think Brexit's a Stephen King novel. It's either that or it's a nasty. <laughs> So, Ian, do you have a, have a absolute favorite all time Stephen King movie? I don't, to be honest. Um, the ones that I the ones that I've seen, I've liked. Uh, I mean, I I enjoyed Carrie, what it was worth. Um, and I think yeah. I think the stuff that I've liked most of his is um, um, the early TV miniseries. I mean, I I love the original miniseries. Bit. Yeah, me too. Hi, Georgie. Aren't you going to say? Hello? Oh, come on, bucko. Don't you want a balloon? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. My dad said so. Very wise of your dad, Georgie. Very wise indeed. I, Georgie, am Pennywise the Dancing Clown. You are Georgie. So now we know each other. <laughs> he right? So, I gotta go. Go without this. My ghost. Exactly. Go on, kiddo. Take it. Oh, you want it, don't you, Georgie? Oh, of course you do. And there's cotton candy and rides and all sorts of surprises down here. And balloons, too. All colors. Do they float? Oh, yes. They float, Georgie. They float. And when you're down here with me, you float, too! We're all talking about Pennywise in this um, in, uh, in this room, and they're, talk- they're just talking about, you know, the catching up and everything and reminiscing. And suddenly you hear a door slam, and that door slamming made me jump out my skin, and it had absolutely nothing to do with Pennywise <laughs> now. And I thought, shit! Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was just a fun movie, but I mean, you know, saying this is not going to surprise anybody that's a Stephen King fan, but the setup for his stories are so awesome, but the endings just never live up to it. I mean, you know, in, in, in It, and I'm sure this is going to be a bit of a spoiler to somebody who hasn't seen a movie from the 80s, but, <laughs> but the thing is, it's, you know, like the, the clown back then was so cool and everything, you know, the, the, who was it that played him? Tim, um, Tim Curry. Tim Curry, yeah. Yeah, so, the, so it was such a cool setup and everything. But the ending, it's like they beat up a big giant rubber spider. Turns into a big giant rubber spider. That's terrible. It's like the, the clown was the, the whole thing. And then to turn into a big giant rubber spider that they beat up at the end. That was terrible. It was a great lead into, lead into like, you know, like an awesome story. But then they ended with that. There, there was a couple of movies that were like that. They just built and built and built. And then the ending was just such a letdown. Yeah, because I think Langoliers was like that. The Langoliers was like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, look, another rubber spider. It just <laughs> got so predictable. It's like I don't even need to see the end. I'm just going to watch the good parts. You know, um, there's, there's a few films that Stephen King did that I that I remember that I very very vaguely remember seeing as a kid. You know, one of them was Cujo. Yeah, <clears throat> I just remember that being about a rabbit dog, and don't remember anything else about it. <laughs> I'm not sure we traumatized by it or whether it was just the movie was just so bad. I'm not. I'm not sure why. I don't remember it. No, it, it was pretty bad. 
It, it was bad. I mean, I, I spent most of, I, I mean, I read a lot of the books, obviously, before I saw the movies. And then when the adaptations came out, it was there's a, a level of excitement. But then there's also this aspect of Stephen King is, rec- well, any author has created this world within these, you know, the, the front and back covers of this book. And how they explain things is how... In, in such detail and then you picture it in your own mind's eye so when you go to a movie you're seeing somebody else's interpretation so for somebody who reads a lot that's either going to be a great thing or it's going to be a big disappointment because obviously you know the big red fluffy dog isn't going to be we're not all going to see the same thing you know if, you, if when you read words we all create our own images so going to a movie, like I said, it can be quite a disappointment if somebody else's adaptation of it isn't quite up to snuff to what you think it should be. One of the, uh, one of the Stephen King adaptations I remember seeing was, uh, was, was a miniseries of Sangham's Lot. Um, I've never seen it. It was David Soul, um, and they actually made a, a remake of it in the nineties as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I very remember seeing that and thinking, "Cool," because it was vampires, and I, I love vampires. Mm. Um, Are you a vampire? <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, so like, um, if I were, I must, I must have a, a natural resistance to the sun because my, my <laughs> do you like garlic? My, yeah, I love garlic. So I'm. <laughs> well, I think, think that counts you out. You know, it, uh, it's funny because we were talking about it, and uh, uh, you guys have the, like porta potties over there. You porta loos. It's like okay, porta loos. Okay, so over here they call them porta potties. We just call them full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were out for a drive one day, and I said to Linda, I said, "Wouldn't it be funny?" I said, "Is instead of uh, Pennywise being down in like a storm drain or something, if he was down in like uh, one of those porta potties, <laughs> and you went in to use it, and you're sitting." there and you hear hiya georgie <laughs> are you gonna poop georgie <laughs> we seriously laughed about that for like an hour i snorted i laughed so hard and then it really it's not that funny now everything floats down here georgie <laughs> okay that part's funny i'll trade you some I'll trade you your boat for some air freshener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to find a, I'm trying to find the name of a film. Uh, I think it was based on a Stephen King book, and it was about some government program where they where they took up people in and uh, they they developed uh, telekinesis powers or something. Firestarter. Charlie McGee is a happy, healthy little eight-year-old girl, normal in every way. But one. Well, uh, what is it you really want? That my involvement with this child, Charlene, will not end by my bringing her. No, no, it's just the beginning. Charlie has the power. She can set things on fire with just a glance. Do something bad. Please to love me. Oh, Charlie. She's very beautiful. She's very young. That inside her is the power of the gods. It is a power she does not want. A power she cannot control. We haven't got her yet. We'll have her. Show me a warrant to get the hell off my land. We don't need a warrant. And each night she prays to be just like every other child. But there are those who will do everything in their power to find her, to control her. We're going to be close, she and I. David Keith, Freddie Jones, Heather Locklear, Martin Sheen, George C. Scott, Art Carney, Louise Fletcher, and Drew Barrymore as Stephen King's Firestarter. Firestarter, will she have the power to survive? I like that movie, and Stephen King hates that movie. And actually, as far as... And again, it's it's my what's in my mind's eye and, and the way I interpreted interpreted the book. But from book to movie, I think they did a really good job on that on that particular movie. 
and I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I only got to see it not too terribly long ago, really, um, through you. I think Firestarter actually would probably be in, if we're going to do a top three, I'm going to say that Firestarter, I might have to do a top five. <laughs> That's be but, but I do. I, I really enjoyed Firestarter. You got you got to admit though, Stephen King. He was the king of the original uh, sequel title to his uh, to, to to his films or books. So I'm looking at mm-hmm. something here. It's made in 1996, and it's called Sometimes They Come Back Again. Oh, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, but this there's one, a third one too. Yeah, this one was Sometimes They Come Back Again. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Alright, okay, so so we're talking about um, movies that we really enjoyed. Let's talk about, for. let me throw one out there that I did not enjoy, even though I absolutely love Johnny Depp. The Secret Window really could have stayed a secret. Yeah. Forever. You stole my story. That was a terrible movie. I, I didn't, I don't even, I, what was that even based on? I don't even know anymore. Was it a rip-off of Ray Window? <laughs> what, what? Was it a rip-off of Ray Window? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. It should, like I said, it should just all be a secret. Maybe it is a secret. Because there's, um, I think Hitchcock did a, did, did, did a film, um, Vertigo or something, where there was a guy who was just so like, he was confined to a wheelchair and he kind of got his joggies from spying on people through his window. You know, the whole wheelchair thing is a good segue to Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet. I gotta talk to you. You won't let go of it, will you? I saw what I saw. Psychotics are more active when the moon is full. And this guy's a psycho. When they catch him, you're going to find out he's just as human as you and me. He's out there! I saw him! There's 51 movies to talk about. Not that we're going to talk about all 51. Some of them I've never even heard of. Um, I like I like Children of the Corn. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I'm not I'm not particular. I'm not I'm not particular to creepy children. But I mean, for somebody um, about an hour north of us, I mean, we have a valley area, and of course there are cornfields everywhere. So you know, every time you drive by, you're just like, oh, where's Malachi? <laughs> every child is afraid of the dark. The unknown. The nightmare. In Gatlin, Nebraska, that nightmare is in the corn. <laughs> Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Praise God! Praise the Lord! Stephen King, the author of Carrie, The Shining, The Dead Zone, and Christine, an adult nightmare. Children of the Corn. I'm here, Stephen King's Children of the Corn, an adult nightmare. It is kind of spooky, isn't it? If, you, if, you, if you're um, driving down the road or walking down the road and, and it's night and, and you can sort of like there's a cornfield nearby and you can sort of like see the, the corn being kind of blown about in the wind, it does make you think of children in the corn. You kind of think mm-hmm. a psychotic, mm-hmm. psychotic ninja child is going to leap out at you and, and stab your eyes out. And then, but seriously <laughs> though, if you're driving along and all of a sudden a kid pops out of a cornfield, you're going to shit your pants. <laughs> exactly, you know. Like, seriously. Especially if he's holding, like, a machete or something. You are seriously just going to shit yourself right then and there. I know I would. Yeah. <laughs> Due to, obviously, the TV show Haven, which was based on the short story of the Colorado Kid. It was, it was filmed right here. Ah, yes, we've had two two Stephen King, well, Haven, and Dolores Claiborne was also filmed, not locally, but within half hour, hour. 
But Haven was, was. But Haven filmed. was filmed like right what, twenty minutes, ten minutes away. Yeah, we got a lot of friends that were actually in it. In it. Yeah, yeah. And we we saw. I think what did we we watched like the first season? Maybe not quite all of the first season. We watched the first season, and we actually have a friend that got a hold of me one time and wanted me to write a song out of the words that she wrote um, for a wedding gift for her husband. She got a professional singer to come in and sing the song. And of course, we were invited to the wedding and stuff. So after the song was sung, I was invited up to the table and... Um, I was not. No, you weren't invited. <laughs> I was invited up to the table and the bride that got me to write the song introduced me to uh, two people. And as I was shaking their hands, I was like, okay, I just clued in. You guys are the two main stars of Haven. <laughs> So I got got to meet them face to face, and they told me that the song that I wrote was really nice, and yeah, they actually wanted to meet me because they heard the song and they liked it and wanted to meet uh, who wrote it. Cool. Isn't this about Stephen King? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's about me, baby. <laughs> isn't, it really, isn't it really funny how uh, Sean can sort of like twist things around and make them all about him? I know. Every single time. No, not every single time. Every fucking time. <laughs> One of the things I, I really like that Stephen King was involved with was the creature. Coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. Creep Show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. Creep show will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show, the most fun you'll ever have being scared. When they did Creepshow 1 and Creepshow 2, um, they wanted to do a TV series. And I can't remember exactly how it went, but for some reason they couldn't get the rights or something like that. They couldn't call it Creepshow, the series. So they retitled it, and it was Tales from the Dark Side, which they eventually did a Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Man lives in the sunlit world of what he believes to be reality. But there is, unseen by most, an underworld, a place that is just as real, but not as brightly lit. A dark side. Castle Rock, you mentioned, uh, you know, before, uh, Castle Rock 2018 War Present, based on the eponymous fictional city and also characters created by King. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we gotta watch that. Yeah. I have to say, though, reading, like, going back to Creepshow and, and, and just, you know, the shorts and everything, when I was reading Stephen King, I actually think I enjoyed the books that were the short stories more than, I mean, I enjoyed the novels as well, but um, just you've got time to fit in a short story. Um, you can read like a short story in an afternoon or in an evening and then you're done, you know, beginning to end. Whereas you've got this, I mean, the very first Stephen King book I ever read was, was the shining. I think I was like 12 years old and I think I finished it like last year. Um, I'm 52 now. So, you know, it took me a while to finish that. So yeah, short stories are good. You know, you just, you just committed a cardinal son that's in there. I never admit my age. I never. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. It's just a number. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's the way I see it too, but I don't see why Shignetto people know how old I am. <laughs> well, that's because when people listen to this show, they'll just say, oh, well, she's just senile anyways. Yeah, and I'm only 23. She brought in the cradle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm only 15, yeah, we, which is probably, probably quite evil. You know? Big bunch of liars you are. <laughs> I'm about to open a beer. See how lucky you are, listeners? You get narration whenever we open a beer. I mean, I'm about to sip some whiskey. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Pouring a beer. Oh, not a bad job. First time ever. <laughs> Does that have a good head? Yep. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> maximum Overdrive. <laughs> but maximum Overdrive was um, actually directed by Stephen. Yes, and I think he said that it's like one of the worst mistakes he ever made. I don't know if he, I think they said something about him being on drugs or something uh, while he was doing it. Or? Was a, he, was a, he was off his head on cocaine at the time, which kind of explains <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun movie, but it didn't make but you know, sense. But you know, there were, there, were, there were some really good moments in that movie, though. I mean, there was, you know, you know when he goes, goes up to the ATM and he's trying to get his money out and, and Pickle tells him to fuck off. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great part of that movie, you know. That I, to this day, I mean, there's there's some moments in that movie that was like, you know, that there was really overacted, like when the waitress was going up and going, "We made you," and getting all upset and everything and stuff. But it's like, if that movie would have had like a really half decent ending, I think it would have been a whole lot better to me, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I um, I, I vaguely remember, I vaguely remember, I think Charlie Sheen's brother was in it. Yep. Emilio uh, Estevez. Emilio mm-hmm. Estevez, that's the one. I was trying, I was trying to pluck his name from the effort. Oh my God, that, that's, <laughs> the, that, that's the only way. That's the only reason I went to see it because, like, um, you know, because it had a brat packer in it. And back in the eighties, you know, everyone was going to see movies with brat packers in. You know, you had Emilio Estevez. Oh yeah. You know, Charlie Sheen, Molly um, mm-hmm. Ring, Ringwald, and you know, all, all of them. So like, um, it, it, it was all like, oh. You We've got all of them in Young Guns as well. Yes, mm. yes. But that's that's the only reason I've seen it. It's got, oh, it's got Emilio West of us. It must be a good movie. And it was all right. Mm. I mean, I don't think it was his... I don't think it sunk as bad as people made it out to. Hi. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. Who was driving it? I don't know. Curtis! It's coming after us! It was my first picture as a director. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let me in the dark. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. That's a promise. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Ah! Jesus coming and he is. Maximum king. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. for a fun movie yeah if you're if you're if you're looking for like just a, a fun movie with a really kick-ass soundtrack hmm. track <laughs> track have another beer with a really kick-ass soundtrack um yeah that's the movie i mean 
I mean, it's no Sharknado or anything, but... No, no. Oh, you know, that would be getting off track, but uh, Sharknado <laughs> too. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> Harking back the airplane and taxi. And, anyways, back to Stephen King. Back to Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, well, the last Sharknado film was great. They actually, get, they actually did time travel too. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see the last one. No, not yet. Funny. No, we've seen all the other ones. I, I've, I've seen all of them. They're just funny. Um, but you know what? The, 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 to me, the very worst Sharknado movie is the first one. It's, it's like they got, they all got better. <laughs> they did. I think, you know, they were deliberately setting out to make bad movies, and that's that was a joke. Mm. Yeah. An interesting fact about Cujo, uh, not the film, but apparently Stephen King doesn't remember ha- actually having written it. He was so benign drunkard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It wasn't a bad book, actually. I actually enjoyed the book. I did not enjoy the movie at all. Mm. I just, I, I, I don't know. It was, it, it just strayed too far from the book for my liking. In an interview, he, he basically says that he doesn't remember actually having sat down and written it, um, which I kind of think, because he was so blind drunk at the time, and I kind of think that's kind of a really odd thing for a writer to admit to, because isn't he mm. himself open to sort of someone coming along and saying, hey, you. I wrote Cujo. I want my fucking money. (laughs) (laughs) That's a long time to be drunk. I mean, how long does it take to write a book? I mean, I don't know. I've never written a book. I've read a book. (laughs) Show off. Well, well, here's another fun fact from his uh, from this 101 facts I read. Um, he actually once said in one of his uh, sit down Q and A's with um, where he's with uh, George R R Martin because of our friends. He actually said that yeah. um, when he's writing a book, he usually aims to write six pages a day. Oh, yeah. So you know, if you think about an average book, um, a chapter is between you know, I'd say anything between ten and twenty pages. If it's just a mm-hmm. hundred page book or something like that. So you know, he's kind of he's kind of like knocking out maybe three maybe four chapters a week that's kind of cool that's anything to go by but then again you know he was sat next to George R.R. R. Martin who probably writes um, a thousand pages a day given that his books are like a gazillion pages long yeah I, I, I get no patience for reading because to me every page looks exactly like the one I just read <laughs> Yeah, I mean they, they need to they need to have some pictures in there as well to sort of break it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, with me. If, a is for Apple. You know what? Every book I every book I buy comes with a free pack of crayons. <laughs> I, I, I just I just buy comic books. <laughs> that, that's, that's cool um, back on Stephen King, another favourite of mine. Um, although I, I don't remember seeing the film, it's been so long since I've seen it. Um, was a David Cronenberg one, Dead Zone. Um, I do remember the TV show, though, which I thought was really good for its first two seasons, and then it went off the uh, went off the map. Mm. The TV show had the, the guy that was, that was starring in the TV show was in a movie with Molly Ringwald, uh, Sixteen Candles. That's right, I can't yeah. remember his name. What's that? That's right. He was in Sixteen Candles. And I can't remember his name either. Yeah, because he always played like a geeky guy mm-hmm. in all those Brad Pack movies. But uh, he, when he grew up, he, he got a little bit muscled up. Like he wasn't as scrawny as what he was. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can see his face now, but I can't put his name to it, you know. Um, no, me neither. I think the Dead Zone was. Um, oh God, who, who did that star now? Um, Good question. I think it's the guy that was in RoboCop, it was wasn't Chris, it? It was Christopher Walken. Also had Brooke Adams yeah. in it. Um, Tom Skerritt, Herbert Mom, Martin Sheen, and Anthony Zarr. Mm. I quite enjoyed the Dead Zone because I thought the premise was pretty cool. As in the guy, sort of like uh, you know, he, he was in quite a bad accident, almost dies, and he wakes up and he's able to predict the future. If the future were in your hands. Taurus is screaming. The house is burning. Would you change it? Hurry up! Hurry up! It's not too late. Touch this man's hand and you are in the grip of the dead zone. I've had another episode. Only the imagination of author Stephen King could take you there. Johnny, wait. With a power that alters the future lives of those you love. You want to kill your own son? I want you out of here. I'm scared, Dad. Or of those you fear. I have had a vision that I am going to be president of the United States someday. And nobody, I mean nobody, gonna stop me. Is it a power for good or for evil? Not only can you see the future, I can change it. Skelton! 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 I 
saw it. Put your hand on the scanning screen and you'll go down in history with me. I saw his face. I stood there. I did nothing. Johnny! Stephen King, The Dead Zone. I enjoyed how it played up in the TV show until probably around the tail end of the second season when it started getting a little bit too weird. Um, you know, but weird in the wrong way, sort of thing. And it's sort of like, stop being logic, it just stop making sense. <laughs> Um, but but in the movie, does, doesn't he die at the end? I mean, that's, oh, I'm sorry, I just spoiled that. <laughs> yeah, he does, but he dies knowing that, um, he's because he, he can see the future by touching the person, and he sees the, because it, it was uh, Martin Sheen's politician, and he was trying to stop some of the things, he was trying to stop him because he knew he didn't stand for the right things or, or whatever. And then he did see him actually kill himself. So he knew that even though he was dying, like it was all going to work out in the end anyways. Yeah. Um, it, was quite, it was a really good film and uh, interesting side facts about Stephen King. But apparently uh, um, Stephen King, um, not the actual person, but uh, a young actor playing him, um, made a cameo appearance in the in the very first season of uh, Quantum Week. Oh, cool. And cool. I think yeah, we, I think it's the episode where 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 Sam he leaps into someone who's who's a pig farmer. Or something. A pig farmer. <laughs> and and it's set somewhere. You know what? Sorry, go ahead. It's set somewhere in Maine. Oh, it usually is. You know what? This is going to be the one podcast ever in the history of any podcasts that are doing a podcast on Stephen King. That has went this long without talking about the shiny. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I hired a man named Charles Grady as the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. I fear you will have to deal with this matter in the harshest possible way. Apparently, <laughs> uh, Stephen King did not like the adaptation of The Shining. He disapproved of it. Um, he felt Stephen <laughs> King and I just don't agree on anything. <laughs> I liked it. It felt that the casting of Jack Nicholas, Nicholson, is it Nicholson or Nicholas? Oh, Nicholas is a golfer, isn't he? Um, well, yeah. <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah, that's true. It felt that the casting of, uh, of Jack, Jack, Jack Nick, Nicholson, uh, or whatever he's fucking called. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> <laughs> Was was kind of like a, 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 a. We got a band over here named Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> bit obvious uh, because sort of like uh, the actor, at that point the actor was well known for playing you know sort of like unstable characters sort of so he, he didn't like that so mm-hmm. but what I'm wondering is um, I'm wondering how close Dr. Sleep will be to, to, to the novel Dr. Sleep because it kind of looks um, a lot less of a horror film and more of sort of like um, you know a science fiction film where this hero you know more, more, more like a Farming 8 film where this, where this hero yeah, see, that's the thing. I, I, I would like it to be, I know this is totally selfish, but I would like it to be a sequel to the movie and more true to the movie than the book. Because, I mean, I never read the book. I've, I've seen the movie. So to me, it'd be kind of cool. And there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that read, but there's, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't read the books and seen the movie and they would kind of like it to be that too. And they're probably like walking a thin line to like, Try to do both. Yeah. Well, what do you know about it, Mind? Do you know whether it's actually a sequel to the book or, or you know, or, or the movie? Uh, no, actually, I I don't. I kind of I kind of left Stephen King in the dust a while ago. Um, I, I'm still a fan, but um, The Shining was actually the very first Stephen King book that I ever read, and um, I actually enjoyed the movie as well. And I wonder for for people who who do both. If it would be the other way around as well, like if you saw the movie first and then went and read the book, if you wouldn't like the book or, you know, it, 
if you would find that the adaptation of the movie was similar to the book. Um, but as far as Dr. Sleep goes, I, I don't really know. I'm, I'm, I haven't dove into the realm of the up and coming. Actually, I haven't seen, um, I'm just old now, so I can't handle all the jump scares. I have high blood pressure, so I can't risk having a heart attack <laughs> watching a movie. And, and I just, I, I can't do the creepy and the bloody and the guts and, and all that stuff anymore. I actually don't really watch a lot of movies or television anymore. I, I shouldn't do that much baking shows now. It's scary enough. <laughs> 15 minutes. I'm like, oh my God, I can't stand the suspense. <laughs> it's enough anxiety. But no, I mean, I'm tempted actually to go and buy the book and read the book. Mm-hmm. Would, would you read the, the, the Shining first? No, because it's surprisingly enough, and it, it's kind of funny because I can watch a movie and I, this drives Sean absolutely crazy because I've seen Twister like a million times. He's like, I don't know how you can watch the movie, same movie over and over again. I don't retain movies. But when I read a book, and maybe it's because I'm creating the characters and I'm creating the settings, um, I actually retain the information a little bit more. And I think it is because... Even though the author, whether it be Stephen King or whoever, the words in front of me are, are, it's his idea, but I'm creating the world. So I think I retain it much better for that reason. So the the Shining, I mean, um, you come around the corner and see the two twins and like, uh, come play with us, Danny. Come play with us forever and ever and ever. It's kind of cool. I'd I'd like to see like a prequel to it where, where the... Well, maybe not, because the guy, you know, kills his twin daughters and his wife, and he corrected them. And then goes on to advertise condoms with his Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, like I said, it, it was a... Uh, it was a movie. It was a movie that settled like a lot of mood. Um, music was fantastic to The Shining. Music was really good. Stephen King movies and, and, and shitty endings. Um, you know, how it's it's such a great movie and then the, the ending is such a letdown. But I have to say, and even though it's not per se the recipe for a typical Stephen King movie, um, the Shawshank Redemption has to have had one of the best endings ever. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that was, it was just a really well done movie. But then when you get to the end of the movie and how it ends, you're just kind of blown away. It's just like, wow, did not see that coming, but what a great ending. You kind of really made up at the end because it, it, was, it was actually quite a happy ending because they meet again, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and I was kind of like half expecting him to die before he even got that far. Mm-hmm. Knowing that yeah. it was written by Stephen King, I was, I was expecting something really shitty to happen and it didn't happen. I was so glad it didn't. Um, but it's a film, interestingly enough, that we've not mentioned. And it's not, you know, <clears throat> I didn't even think of this film when, when we were talking about Stephen King. But um, if I set my mind back, it actually was a Stephen King film. It's just that they made a shitty sequel and the uh, the original probably wasn't that great either. The Lawnmower Man. Oh, Lawnmower Man. Yeah, which has nothing to do with the short story <laughs> at all. But it was a good movie. I enjoyed Lawnmower Man. Job Smith is the Lawnmower Man. A man. Joe, come on, boy, let's go. Grass is waiting for you. With the mind of a child. Yes, Cybo Man, he came to see me. Cybo Man, comics, right? Yes, Cybo Man. (laughs) And a doctor. Virtual reality holds a key to the evolution of the human mind. With a vision of the future. I have a game in my house that you might like to play. Would you like that? Yeah. Okay. The Lawnmower Man. I mean, if you were to read the short story, you kind of scratch your head as to where they even got the idea for the movie because the only thing really that was similar was the name The Lawnmower Man. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really, I didn't really make the connection between that and Stephen King. You know, when when I seen it on this list here, I just didn't make connection. It's really funny now because um, over over the holidays, over the summer holidays, um, as I said before, I don't really go on holiday. But what I do do is instead of going on a holiday, I'll buy myself really expensive electronics pad products or a new guitar or something to make up for the fact that I'm <laughs> going on holiday. <laughs> That's always good. So the money gets spent elsewhere. And yes, I do have a Gibson Les Paul, by the way. So. <laughs> so Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, The Running Man was um, that was another short story. It was a that was an adaptation. It was I, I found that it was quite different from the story itself. I enjoyed both though, Be, just because I think that there are, sometimes it's so different that you can still enjoy your interpretation of what you've read, but you can also enjoy somebody else's interpretation in the movie because, like I said, it is just so different that it just it. it I hate to use the word offensive. I'm never offended by somebody else's interpretation. Um, disappointing, I guess, is, is the more the word I would use. That's why when, um, and I know, again, this is Stephen King and I'm straying off the path here, but we seem to stray a lot, is um, <laughs> Clive Barker's Weave World. I have the comic books, but I love that book so much that I won't even crack the cover of the comic books because I do not want to see somebody else's interpretation is just enough that I have them. Uh, maybe that's just a weird thing. I don't know. It's just me. But in The Running Man, uh, wasn't uh, Richard Dawson in that? Probably. Game show host? Yeah. Game show host. Yeah. Typecast. Typecast, yeah. In the year 2017, an innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time or prime time. Sensational. Perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark! I'll be back. Go! The highest rated TV show in history. Guess they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. <laughs> Schwarzenegger is the running man. He's playing for a prize. The prize is his life. How about the life? The running man. It's funny because I've, I've gone through, like I brought up a list of Stephen King movies just because, you know, as a Stephen King fan, I was like, I wonder how many Stephen King movies I've actually seen. And I have seen quite a few, but then I'm looking at this list and I'm thinking, I don't even know this movie. I don't remember, you know, what it's based on or anything like that. So, um, riding the bullet, I haven't got a clue. Apt pupil. Well, I didn't know, I didn't know what yeah. was Stephen King. 1408, about the uh, yeah. hotel room. I didn't know what that was Stephen King. And I seen that a few years ago. And it was an awesome film. See, and I haven't seen that one. It's an awesome film. It's, it, it's, it's actually one of the few films that actually actually did scare me a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's a, that, that was an awesome film. It just wasn't it wasn't really. I don't think it got very much publicity at the time it came out. It got mm-hmm. a fair bit, but it was kind of like I think there was a lot of other stuff that came out that same year that kind of like pushed it to the wayside a little bit. That was yeah, it's unfortunate good. that sometimes things get buried under everything else, and they are just really, really good and deserve to have their own notoriety. Yeah, I mean, I think if 1408 had been released in the 70s or 80s, it would have been it would have been considered a video nasty and gotten lots of heat because of that, which means everyone mm-hmm. would, would have gone out and seen it. Um, whereas, <laughs> yeah, true. Whereas now, there doesn't seem to be video nasties or, or films that are banned anymore, sort of thing, which is it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's like everything goes now. Yeah. yeah. Hearts in Atlantis? Never heard of it. Me, me either. Um, but there's one that we've not mentioned, which um, which everyone's heard of, and that's the, um, and that is the, the one called Misery. He almost died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs, and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too. And as soon as the road's open, I'll take you to a hospital. In the meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Annie, for God's sake. Shh, darling. 
trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. God, I love you. I liked Misery, though, because it's, and it's something that really and truly is goes kind of beyond like just a movie because when you think about it misery is something that it could be very true to life it's like a story that you'd hear on the news that one scene in that movie though man (laughs) (laughs) when she hobbled him yeah man yeah but i mean really and truly i mean you know like i i mean i i deal with the public and i have seen some some health care providers and I kind of wonder sometimes if they could go all kind of Kathy Bates on. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, I did. I enjoyed that. And I mean, Kathy Bates, I think, did an excellent job in that role. I don't think any, I shouldn't say, I, I could somebody else have done that role? Absolutely. But I mean, she lent just a quality to that role that was just so believable. You don't, you don't, sometimes when you're watching a movie, you're like, oh, oh, look, that's Chris Hemsworth. Or, oh, look, that's Jason Momoa. Or, you know, but sometimes when you're watching a movie, you forget that you're watching an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, it's not Kathy Bates. It's, you know, I, I forgive me. I don't know what the name of her role was in the movie. But you get lost in that movie because it is just so believable. And she does such a good portrayal of her character that you just, you do, you get lost in her. But the problem is that we've seen that movie and then right after that, we seen, I think it was called, The Play in the Field of the Gods. Yeah. And she goes crazy in that movie and shows her boobies. <laughs> oh, she shows more than her boobies. Yeah, and you don't really want to see Kathy. Like, like, her and John Lithgow, like they were naked. Yeah don't, don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. They are great, great actors. You don't want to see them naked. <laughs> And I know that she was she was in Dolores Claiborne, and again a, another believable role for her. Um, I didn't enjoy Dolores Claiborne as as much as maybe I would have for the same reason that I didn't kind of enjoy Haven. And it's not because they weren't good movies and TV shows. It's just that because it's filmed in this area, you get so lost in picking out locations and like. Oh, I know where that is. Or, oh, look, there's so-and-so. You, you don't even really follow that there's a story going on. Well, it's like Haven because Haven, they're they're doing a scene where they, they go down the street and they take a right. Mm. Now, and they're in the next town. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so to us, they're showing an overall view of Haven. And it's Lunenburg, Lunenburg to us. And we know exactly right where they're shooting the scene from to, to show all of Lunenburg. Um, and Lunenburg is where they built uh, the Blue Nose, which is a very famous uh, ship, schooner, <laughs> here in... Uh, it's a boot. It's a boot. It's a boot. Here in Nova Scotia. But when they're going down that street, they, they, they're they going down to Lunenburg, they take a left. Next thing you know, they're in Chester. And Chester is a long ways away from Lunenburg, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, where's uh, that shortcut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Chester's where you guys are from, right? Um, well, we, we are close. Ish. Yeah, we're about probably about 20 minutes away from Chester. And we're about uh, probably about 20 minutes away from Oak Island. If I got in a car right now, I could drive to Oak Island. I'd be there in 20 minutes. Yeah, and you, you guys are kind of involved in the first season of that show as well. Oak Island is actually worth mentioning um, for, anyone that's, for anyone that's still listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you're in the third episode, I think it was? Third episode, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm forgettable. I just stand there, but Linda's got a speaking part. They've just released that on, on Amazon Prime, first season of Oak Island. It's actually now available free on Amazon Prime in the UK. So I'm going to check, I'm cool. gonna check that third episode out and, and say, oh, look, there's Sean. Yeah, right, 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 right towards the end. I, I'm just standing there looking like I'm scared stiff. <laughs> um, back on the Stephen King, I'm actually looking at it here. We've got Thoughts of Thoughts of Sleep, which has just come out, but they're doing a remake of Salem's Lot. Um, mm-hmm. They're doing something called uh, Long Walk, and then there's an, another mm-hmm. one called From Buick Eight, which are based on. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just wondering, you know, how many times is it going to be? You know, how, how many times have they remade saying them's not now? That's the song I can like, not doing good. Open the window. Open the window, Mark. Open the window, Mark. Please. Let me in. It's okay, Mark. I'm your 
film that came out in 2016 called Cell. Um, it's American science fiction horror. Uh-huh. Um, novel of the same name by Stephen King. And you see, I haven't seen that one. Todd Williams, produced by John Cooper, uh-huh. with a screenplay by King and Adam Amish. I can't even read that. Uh, it's probably the whiskey. <laughs> oh, and Sam also. <laughs> I've seen it. It's actually, um, I, I reckon it's one of those where the book was probably better than the film. So I've seen it and um, the, mm-hmm. see if we can look at this sign of storyline. Um, but basically, Clayton Clay Riddell, John Cusack, is, disamu- is a disillusioned artist who year in year abandoned his wife, Sharon, and, and son, Johnny, um, in hopes of living his dreams of publishing a graphic novel. At Boston International Airport, Riddell is attempting to board a flight in hopes of reconciling with his family his cell phone battery dies and he's forced to use a payphone to reconnect with Sharon. Suddenly, an electronic signal is broadcast across mobile networks worldwide and cell phone users are instantly and dangerously reprogrammed into rabid killers. There you go, that's a movie. Sounds like typical Stephen King. Mm. Um, Maximum overdrive. It was was okay. Um, It wasn't great. And the ending was a bit disappointing. (laughs) <laughs> it was typical Stephen King. Uh, typical. Yeah, typical. What was the other one that he wrote? Uh, the Green Mile or something, wasn't it? The Green Mile. The yeah, Green I Mile enjoyed thing. that movie too. Yeah, I like that one. I didn't quite like that one. I, I, I could tell they were going towards the whole Shawshank thing, mm. but the ending just wasn't that great to me. Yeah, what put me off about going to see that film was the fact it was about three hours long. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, Unless it's a Marvel movie, I don't want to see three hours. <laughs> well, most most Marvel movies are just shy of three hours, not, not actually three hours. Well, that said, Avengers Endgame was three hours. Yeah, true. It doesn't feel like three hours because it's not it's not it's not no. building up tension no. and tension and tension. Whereas Green Mile would have been building up tension and tension and tension to the point where you get so far and you just true mm. true. Um, it's like. I struggled with Lord of the Rings with Lord of the Rings films. The simple reason that for the most part they'll just walk it. Even like film, they'll be walking, they get mm-hmm. a battle, and then there'll be more walking, then there'll be another battle, then there'll be more walking, another battle. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, it's kinda of like Harry Potter. There was there was one movie of Harry Potter and they spent like three hours in the woods. <laughs> that sounds like uh the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> it's like Well they spent the entire movie in the woods. Yeah. Talking about how they wanted to leave the woods. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's a couple of things that, that, that they've done on Netflix. Um, well, I've seen Dark Tower last year, and I've been trying to make that into a series for years. It's not like made it. Um, Dark Tower was okay. It was a bit sort of meh, you know. And I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Yeah, I haven't really seen that one either. Um, it's Idris Elba, so you know, he, he's like the only good thing about it. Mm. Like, you know, anything he's in, he just, he just, um, he just brings his A acting game to having the door, even when he's in complete shit. Um, but there's a there's a couple of Netflix things that I mean, they've done, done some of Mercy that was Universal Studios you know the trouble is with Stephen King we could do a show on Stephen King next year but it's probably about a few more things on either mm. <laughs> true yeah. True. Alright, so Stephen King. Another interesting fact about Stephen King before we go was the fact that he was actually asked to, he was actually invited to direct uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warrior, but he turned the job down. Really? Huh. Is that because he had such a bad experience with Maximum Overdrive or are you still stoned or still no. drunk? No, I think he was just too, pe- I think he was just too hung over that he just couldn't face pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so top three. Top three? Yeah, top three, Stephen King. Who wants to go first? Go, Sean. You want my top three? My, sure. top, my top three would be... If I got to pick, it's got to be the fun ones. It's got to be Creep Show, it's got to be Silver Bullet, and it's got to be Stand By Me. Go, Ian. Um, I'd say uh, Salem's Not, Firestarter, and Shawshank Redemption. Nice. Well, I'm going to go back in time, and I'm going to say Carrie, Firestarter, and The Shining. Nice. Those are my top ones. Worst? Cujo, Cujo, and Cujo. Yeah, I agree. Oh, you, you stole mine. I was going to say thinner, thinner, thinner. Because <laughs> I didn't like thinner at all. Because, I mean, if the gypsy woman comes along and touches this guy and he loses weight for the, for the rest of the movie, that's a great movie. <laughs> it's like, jeez. What, 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 about, what about underrated as in the least appreciated that, that you think people should see? That? Uh, graveyard Shift. 
I love Graveyard Shift. I think that's kind of underrated, but I but I can also see how people could watch that and still think think it's crap, right? So I'm gonna say Lawnmower Man. Yeah, I like Lawnmower Man too, even though it wasn't you know based on his actual mm. book. It's still, but I don't know if it's because we had we have good memories with watching that or oh, I just I I think it was underrated. I think more people should see Lawnmower Man. Yeah, I, I think it was quite a good film. What ruined it really was the fact that it made loads and loads of sequels of it, and sequels just didn't really yeah. up that well. But I'm going to say 1408. I think we you both enjoy that, but you know, you best put cool. a defibrillator on hand in case of uh, you know, the open mud pressure. It does have a few genuine scares in it. Well, when it, when it comes to uh, TV shows, we could say Castle Rock, but none of us seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah who, who would know? To be honest, there's been quite a few, quite a few TV series that Stephen King's done in recent years like that, that I've not seen. Um, and it's based because you just think fancy the idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Dome was based on the Stephen King story. Um, and I've seen a few few episodes of that. Um, they, they did another one called Kingdom Hospital, which was a Stephen King one. Mm-hmm. That lasted me a while. But Castle Rock, I, I think I've got to see. I think I'll try that one out anyway because uh, it's it, it, it is one that's getting talked about quite a lot now. It's, it's one ring it out. Yeah, we'll have to, have to check that out. I know. Well, there's another little piece of useless in- information is that uh, with uh, Haven. They shot a Halloween episode in a haunted house, and that haunted house that they used belongs to my drummer. Ooh. It's the very first inn back in Chester. It's the old, old, old. And at, at the end, uh, they actually blow up the house. But the house is still there, so... <laughs> and it is haunted. And it is haunted. That's a whole other story. Awesome. But, uh, yeah. So my drummer owns owns the house that they used in Haven for the Halloween special. Speaking of Halloween specials... <laughs> yeah, so that's the end of our Halloween <laughs> actually uh, ended on, on a spooky note so uh, thanks everyone for listening uh, if you give us for our rambling and getting sidetracked some more um, we were sort of like semi-inebriated while recording <laughs> and, and now we're going hey, to and I didn't swear isn't that amazing I'm going to good on being <laughs> okay well that's it for another Halloween special bye bye